Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday, we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids. And across the week, we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from me, one of Central Site Pastors, Paul Crutchley. It's great to be with you today. If I've not met you before, my name is Paul and I'm one of the Site Pastors at Vineyard Church Cardiff. Now, before lockdown, I would preach pretty regularly, but I haven't actually preached since lockdown. So it's been over three months. And the last time I did, there was not a camera in my face and there was a room full of people. And I also had space to move around. So it's slightly surreal to be back in this way and be in boxing. I'm going to do my best not to move around. Those of you who have been in church when I've preached before, you know I like to walk around a bit. So I do my best not to. But you know what? Though it's surreal, it is great to be back with you opening up God's word today. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know we've been in a two-part mini-series called Take Your Stand, looking at prayer and compassion as these two legs that the church just has to stand on. Uh, But today we are back in the book of James and back in our series called Real Faith. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to James chapter 3 as that's where we're going to be. And if you're new to the scriptures, if you've just downloaded the Bible app or you've ordered yourself a Bible, flick to the end, go back about 100 pages and you will find the book of James. Now, whilst you're turning there, let me tell you what happens to me when I watch films. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's like this, but when I watch movies, often afterwards, I feel compelled or inspired to go and do what they were doing in the movie. For those of you who remember the 2005 Samuel L. Jackson and Channing Tatum classic Coach Carter, you might have felt a similar thing. Now, I remember going and seeing this movie about this high school basketball team with my friends and we came out of the cinema and I was just pumped and I was like, lads, right, we are not going to Mackey's. That's a pretty big thing if I'm saying we're not going to McDonald's. I was like, let's go to the park. Let's play some basketball. Let's set up a basketball team. Let's, hey, let's move to the States. Let's try and make it in the NBA. Well, as you can tell, that didn't happen for me. I didn't make it to the NBA. I don't know if we made it to the park more than a few times. But the same thing happened a year later with the 2006 Channing Tatum classic step up, which I know you guys won't need me to remind you is about a disadvantaged young guy who goes to this prestigious dance academy. I know you guys know that. But I remember I came out of that movie and I was just pumped. I was ready to cut some serious shapes to carve up the dance floor. But the reality is there's a way of life <laughs> you have to live if you want to dance like Channing Tatum. And it's not the way of life that I live. I think I probably need some WD-40 on my hips before anything else. (laughs) There's this great quote from Andy Stanley, an American pastor. And he says this, direction, not intention, determines destination. You know, when I came out of those cinemas, I had all of the intention in the world, all of the passion, all of the willing. But I had no direction. Ultimately, I like the idea of the end product. I would have loved to be able to dance like Channing Tatum or play basketball like Channing Tatum or, hey, be like Channing Tatum back then. But I didn't want the way of life to get me there. Why am I starting with this? Well, as we talk about real faith throughout this series, I think many of us are listening or watching. And in the moment, we feel a resonance. We're like, yeah, I want that. 
Or maybe we feel convicted. We feel that challenge and we go, you know what, I want to change. Maybe it was listening to the last preach by Alice on taming your tongue and being aware of how we use our words either to bring life or to bring death. And we listen to it and we're like, you know what, I want to make a change. Okay, I'm going to be better. But then Monday morning rolls around, Tuesday morning rolls around, and then we're suddenly back in our normal patterns. We've forgotten about it. We had the intention, but we didn't have the direction. Today we're talking about a topic that underpins all of the book of James, all of scripture, all of the way of the Christian life. We're talking about wisdom. And I've titled today's talk, Real Faith Lives Wisely. Because as we read the book of James together, as we read the scriptures, we find that God has provided us with a roadmap for how to live wisely. And what we as his followers need to do is to turn our direction in line with his roadmap and start walking in that way. So let's dive in. We're in James 3, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read the first half in the NIV translation and then the second half in the ESV translation. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Those are strong words. Switching over to the ESV, verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that even though we can't gather physically at this moment, we're still able to meet online in this way. And I thank you, God, that you are the same in our living rooms, in our kitchens, if we're out on a walk listening to the podcast, as you are when we gather together in buildings. It's the same Holy Spirit. And so in this moment, God, I pray wherever we are, you would fill us with your presence. Would you soften our hearts to hear your word? Would you open our minds to be shaped into your way of life? In Jesus' name, amen. So James begins this section by asking the question, who is wise and understanding among you? And what he's saying in this passage is, look, however you have been told to judge wisdom, whatever ways you think that someone looks wise or is perceived as wise, it's actually this way. This is how you know. It's by someone's good life and their good deeds done in humility. And he gets into verse 17 and he goes further. He goes, hey, you know, if someone is wise, you will see these characteristics in their life. They'll be full of peace. They'll be full of gentleness, full of reason. If you're looking for someone to trust, if you're looking to know who you should follow, whose wisdom you should follow, look to see if these things are present in their life. So as we dive in, Let me ask you, is the direction you are walking in your life taking you towards those things? Peace, gentleness, reason, mercy, sincerity. Or is the direction you are travelling leading you to disorder and vile practices? Now, maybe you wouldn't use that term, but I'm sure you can conjure up in your mind what some of those things might be. The key within this passage is that wisdom is reflected in our lives. Wisdom is seen in how we live, is seen in who we are, in our character, in our nature. 
Yes, you know, there are individual pieces of wise wisdom that we can pick up from all over the place. But if you want to know if someone truly has wisdom, is truly a wise person, James is saying you've got to look to see if these things are present in their life. If they are, then you know that you have found yourself a wise person. So, are you living wisely? Now, you might have answered that question slightly differently uh, if I'd have asked it 30 seconds ago, before I just unpacked what James is really hitting there. But if someone were to look at your life, would they say there goes a wise person? Now, if you're feeling brave, maybe that's a question you could ask your housemates or your family over lunch or dinner, the next meal you have. Just say, hey, what do you think? And then don't get too defensive when they answer. But how often do you think about whether you are living wisely? How often do you ask for wisdom? See, many of us only ask for wisdom when we have come to a critical decision. Should I take this job? Should I invest in this business? Should I move cities? Should I live with these people or these people? Should I date or stop dating this person? Should I get married? You know, the list goes on. We come to these critical junctures. We come to these big moments of life decision and we go, okay, well, now I need wisdom. I need to know what to do. And we think to ourselves, well, God, (laughs) you have a will for my life. You probably want to tell me what to do here. And we view the wisdom that God has for our lives like one of those magic eight balls. You know, the the things you get as a kid where you would uh, ask a question, shake it like crazy, and then the answer would pop up. And then the beauty was, if you didn't like the answer, you could just shake it again and again and again until you got the one that you wanted. Now, I never really got those toys. I didn't find them fun in any way whatsoever. But that's not the point. The point is, we often approach God in that way. That we come up to him and we say, well, God, I I think you've got a will for my life. I think you've got some wisdom. So we go, okay, God, I just don't know what to do here. Let me shake the magic eight ball. God, would you tell me? Would you tell me? And then would you leave me to just get on and go do it? Great. You've told me. I'm going to go do it. But you see, the reality is the Bible paints a picture where God, on the whole, is far more interested in and has a whole lot more to say about the way that we live our life than in which city we live or what job we work. The Bible paints the picture of wisdom and wisdom of God as paths that we can choose to walk down. Proverbs 4, verse 10 to 15 in the message translation says this, I'm writing out clear directions to wisdom way. I'm drawing a map to righteous road. I don't want you ending up in blind alleys or wasting time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well. Your life is at stake. Don't take wicked bypass. Don't so much as set foot on that road. Stay clear of it. Give it a wide berth. Make a detour and be on your way. I love that way of framing it. It's this idea that God has, God has given us a roadmap for how to live wisely. There's a way of life that he wants us to live. Now, quick caveat. Don't hear me wrong here. God does care about what job you do, about what city you live in. He does care about those things and he often has something to say about them. You know, in the vineyard, we believe God does speak prophetically and directly to us. And we have story after story in our community of people being given very specific prophetic words. But, you know, whether it's about moving to Cardiff to join the church or about a job to take, you know, a whole range of things with stories and stories upon them. We absolutely believe that God's wisdom does come as direct direction at times. And we believe we should seek him for it. We should ask him to prophetically speak. 
But we believe that it is both that and it's that God has given us a roadmap, a way of life, that if we follow it, we can learn to live wisely and we can learn to make wise decisions that honour God without him speaking directly to us. Now, if you've been around the vineyard for any length of time, you'd have heard this phrase, the phrase, the both and. It's both and. It's not either or. We live in the tension of both. Because you see, throughout scripture, we see that God is giving us a way of life to live and that God mostly cares about whether we are following his path, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And we find from scripture that if we align our lives with the way God wants us to live, then he says we will start to embody the things we read about in verse 17 and 18. Peace, gentleness, reason, mercy, purity, and so on. That we will begin to embody those values. As we walk in that direction, as we choose different ways of of life, as we choose what to invest our money into, what to not invest our money into, choose how to spend our time, how to do our relationships, what habits, all of those types of things. We're walking in a direction towards wisdom. What would it look like in your life if you didn't just seek God's wisdom for big life decisions? But if you sought it for every aspect of your life, it wasn't just God, well, what job would I work? Do I take this one or this one? But God, would you give me the wisdom to be good at my job, to do it well? Rich Nathan, a vineyard pastor, describes wisdom as skillful living. And I love that way of framing it, that we would be able to skillfully navigate life. And, you know, as I was writing this and preparing it and praying over it, the one part of navigating life well that I just felt the Lord wanted us to focus in on was making good decisions. That's such a key part of us learning how to navigate life well. Life is tough. Life is messy. And making good decisions is a key part of living wisely. So how do you find decision making? Are you someone who finds it fairly easy to make considered decisions, to weigh your options and make a good choice? Or are you someone who tends to make rash, impulsive decisions based largely on how you feel in the moment, even if you know it's probably not the right thing? Maybe you're someone who, as I said, we're talking about decisions, it's like that that pit of fear came in your stomach and you're like, oh no, I know I do not make good decisions or I know that I struggle to make decisions at all maybe you freeze with fear or worry about making the wrong decision you just don't want to make the wrong one or you just feel this whole heap of anxiety about the decisions you make whether it's before you make them or after them and you just it's rolling around your mind late at night so did I do the right thing did I do the right thing you know what there'll be we'll be all in different places with how we feel about decisions. But Craig Grishel, another pastor from the States, he says this, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. The decisions that we make, both big and both small, form who we are. And so us being able to skillfully navigate them is so important. Us being able to live wisely and make wise decisions is so key because decisions are important. Now, some decisions don't really matter. Like back in the day when we could go to coffee shops, Having a flat white or an Americano as you chat with a friend doesn't really matter. I know which one I would always choose, but it doesn't really matter. And there are other decisions 
that in the moment feel like they really, really matter, but actually they don't. You know, I had a moment like this earlier in the year, and I'm sure many of you would have had similar ones. But an old friend was back in Cardiff visiting, and a few of us went out for dinner uh, to catch up. And we went to this restaurant on City Road, and a couple of the guys ordered uh, mixed shawarma. Shawarma, I didn't quite know how you say it, plate thing. And I've had you know that kind of thing before, and they're good. I know they're good. And I'm sitting there going, I'm really hungry, but I feel like something different. I'm going to try a wrap, like a shawarma wrap. And you know what? It's a couple of quid cheaper. This seems like a good decision. And so, you know, the, the, the guy's food gets brought up first. And I mean, it's like, it's not a plate, it's a tray of food. And I'm looking going, if that's what they've got, I can't wait to see what I've got. This wrap is going to be massive. It's going to be, it wasn't. The, the plate came out, <laughs> it was this tiny thing with a few chips on the side and, you know, token salad, a bit of iceberg lettuce, you know, only the finest. And it was that moment where, you know, I ate it. And like, it was tasty. But it was a starter. Like, this is a starter size main. It should not have been on the mains list at all. And I'm there and I'm like, you know, chatting with the boys. And I'm just wondering, oh, I wonder if, you know, and they're going to be like, hey, you know, let me do the Jesus thing. Let me offer you some of my food. And they didn't. They didn't. I, I don't blame them for that. I probably wouldn't have done either. But we get to the pub afterwards. I literally, like, I dash up to the bar and I'm just like, you still serving food? I'm going, no. Okay. Three bags of crisps, please. <laughs> and don't judge. Don't judge. I did share one of them, I think. You know what? That in that moment, it felt like a terrible decision. I was like, what have I done? But that choice doesn't matter, does it? That decision that I made about that bad meal, it doesn't matter. But unfortunately, not all decisions are like that. Some of them really do matter. And some of us have made some bad decisions in life when it comes to the important stuff. And we are feeling the effects, maybe years and years on from it. You know, how you're related to your spouse. The person you went into business with, how you treated your kids, not reconciling a relationship with your children down the line, not reconciling a relationship with your parents, placing just another bet. Some of us have made some really bad choices and we are in the midst of them right now, the regret, the shame, the disappointment. And you're going, you know, you're hearing this talk and actually all it's doing is just going, oh man, I feel so guilty. You know, that's not the heart of the Lord. Because the really hopeful thing is that we have a God who's in the business of redemption. And because he offers us this roadmap, this way of life, these paths that we can walk down. Actually, it's possible for you, whatever situation you are in right now, to turn to turn and go, actually, you know, I'm no longer going to walk in that direction. I'm no longer going to place another bet. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk in the way of Jesus. I'm going to walk in the way of wisdom in my finances, in my relationships, whatever it may be. So as we're thinking about decision making, how is your decision making? Do you make wise ones? If you look back over the course of your track record, this is, this is the kicker. How's your track record? Because you might think that you make wise decisions, but when you look back, you're like, oh, I'm not actually so sure that I'd have. Now, if you really want to know, as you look back, ask your friends, ask trusted leaders in your life. Go, okay, what do you think about the decisions I've made in the past? Because often our friends know when we're making a real stinker of a decision. And if they're good friends and if we're humble, hopefully they'll speak into our lives. But, you know, if we give them the chance, they definitely will. So I'd encourage you, ask them. Sit, sit over, you know, Zoom or in the garden with a friend now that we can meet in the garden. Just go like, hey. Let's, let's reflect on life. What do you think about the decisions I've made? 
yeah, wasn't I an absolute plonker when I did that? But you know what, actually, these ones over here, they seem, I seem to have done okay in those ones. Laugh about it, joke about it, but seek wise counsel on it. And remember, don't get too defensive when they highlight those areas of life that maybe you weren't the wisest. See, because a key way to learn to skillfully navigate life is to understand which wisdom has guided you. So that's why it's so helpful to look back at your track record. Because you begin to get this picture of going, oh, you know what? I, in my mind and my heart was saying that, Lord, I'm going after your wisdom. But actually, if I look at how I've spent my money or how I've invested my money or you know, what jobs I've taken, those types of things. Actually, I've not been following your wisdom at all. You know, in this passage in James 3, James is contrasting two types of wisdom. We have wisdom from above, from God. And we have what James calls in verse 15, this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. Those crazy strong words. And he's highlighting these two types of wisdom. And he's saying, which path are you walking on? Which direction are you going? You know, he doesn't give us a deep dive into all aspects of the world's wisdom. In the same way, he doesn't give us a deep dive into all the characteristics of godly wisdom. But he highlights two parts of worldly wisdom in verse 14. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. And then in verse 16 is where he explains that if we walk in their way, we follow their wisdom, follow their path, disorder and vile practices follow. Now, as I bring out these two things that James said, some of us will be sat there and go, yep, that is me. I know that I am driven by selfish ambition. I know that I am driven by jealousy. And it's like a sucker punch to the gut. And you go, okay, Lord, I need to repent before you. This again, you're, you're highlighting it. For others of us, though, we're not really sure if that's what's driving us, but we are feeling the effects of disorder. We're feeling the effects of vile practices. And we need to trace back and go, okay, maybe we're there and we're just you know, racked with anxiety, racked with guilt, we're racked with comparison. We need to trace that back and go, okay, well, Lord, actually, if that's how I'm feeling now, that's not how you created the world to be. So... What wisdom have I been following that has led to me feeling and thinking like this? You know, maybe you're addicted to porn or you've cheated on your spouse or partner. Because actually at the heart of it, what you have done is you have listened to the world's wisdom that sexual fulfillment should be your highest value. That it's actually barbaric or even oppressive to deny yourself your sexual desire. That your sexual fantasies, whatever they are, are natural. And you should be allowed to indulge them guilt-free. Now, if that's the wisdom that's shaping you, if you're walking down the path where that's how you understand and view sex, it's not surprising that you might get to a point where you are addicted to porn or you are cheating on your spouse. Because you've been following the world's way of wisdom when it comes to sex. Rather than the biblical wisdom that you do not need sexual fulfillment to live a whole and a full life. You know, Jesus never had sex, perfect human, lived the fullest life possible. The biblical wisdom that sex is this beautiful and holy act gifted to marriage to symbolise so many things of intimacy, of sacrifice, of connection, safety, that it's this deeply spiritual act. See, when you see sex like that, it's much harder to fall into the disorder of porn addictions and cheating on your spouse or your partner. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's harder because what's happening is you're going, well, I'm walking in this way. Lord, I understand how you've made this to be. 
So now I don't need to gratify that desire in this moment. No, I don't need to worry about that. You know, others of us, you know, as I'm saying, actually, I just think that there might be someone listening who that has really hit them. And actually in this moment, the Lord, you know, it's just a quickening of the heart. It's just a, you know, that feeling tight within you. The Lord is pressing on something and you're like, I need to repent. Both, both to the Lord and maybe to someone else as well. You know, if that is you, I just encourage you, do that. Do that. Do, don't let this moment pass. Maybe even just like hit pause on the video to come back to this later. You will not regret it. You like walk in integrity in this. Holy Spirit, just pray if this is your conviction, just bring it even, even firmer. Others of us back in, it's more subtle. You know, we wouldn't describe ourselves as selfish. We wouldn't describe ourselves as particularly jealous. And maybe you're not. And it's great if you're not. But if, if you're unsure, maybe you just need to spend some time and examine your heart before the Lord. You know, I've done that this week as I've been preparing this. And I would be one of those people that says, generally, my life is not driven by selfish ambition. It's not directed by jealousy. <laughs> but as I have sat with the Lord, <laughs> he in his kindness has revealed the areas of my life that my path is being guided by selfish ambition or jealousy. You know, one of those that he's really impressed on this week has been, you know, I have a tendency to overwork. And I've always put that down to having a really high value for responsibility and also having a great work ethic instilled by my parents. And both of those things are true. But this week, the Lord has highlighted how I often choose to overwork from selfish motives. You know, ultimately, I love working. I love my job. I love what I get to do. But I also love the, the sense of achievement or accomplishment that comes with working. And also, you know what, to be real, like, I love the feeling of being needed. And so you mash all those things together. What the Lord has done is show me that there are moments when I have chosen to prioritize my work over my marriage or over my other relationships with friends or family from selfishness. Because I haven't realised the cost on, on myself. You know, it's not being costly. Ultimately, like, I've loved either going to that event or doing this thing and missing out on family time because I've really enjoyed it. And the Lord was just going, hey, you know those moments? That was actually selfishness driving some of these decisions. And so I had to go to Claire and I had to be like, look, I, you know what? I'm really sorry. I've just, the Lord has shown me this. I feel like I'm realising this aspect of it. And, you know, I, I want to try better. I want to try and change this. And, you know, Claire, she's amazing. She was so gracious. But for me, what this, what this has done is it's highlighted how most of the time for most of us, it's not a 100% selfish ambition or 100% pure and holy motives. But it's much more subtle and nuanced than that. You know, most of the time, my desire to work hard is driven by good and holy motives. But then at times, what I'm doing is I'm stepping off that path and I'm being directed by selfish ambition. You know, and if I don't catch that, James is saying that that will lead to disorder in my life. Because in verse 16, James is saying, if our guiding principles aren't lined up with the wisdom of God, but the wisdom of the world, then we are walking down a path that ends in disorder and vile practice. And I see that. It's not hard to see in the world we live, is it? Anxiety, restlessness, comparison. Those are not of the order that God created for life, are they? We know this. See, the wisdom of God, it leads to life. It leads to wholeness. I believe God wants us to walk in wholeness, walk in peace, walk in mercy, in reason. All of the things listed in verse 17. Those are the order that God created for life. 
you know, when I think about it, I see it as a big jumble of lots of different parts. You know, my general direction is towards Jesus and God's wisdom. But if I break my life down and, and give each area a different path, then I can start to go, well, actually, which way is my path headed? You know, so generally I'm going towards Jesus, but if I look at my finances or I look at my relationships, my career, my habits, my social media presence, my attitude to serving, my attitude to giving, all of these different things, it becomes far easier for me to go, oh, you know, actually, like Jesus, I am for you, but the way I spend my money doesn't really reflect your wisdom, doesn't really reflect reflect your values. Or, God, I'm, you know, I want to go after you, but the way I approach serving is so not how you teach it in scripture. Lord, would you change my heart? So that leads to how, okay, great, we've done that. We've, we've assessed it a little bit. We've found these areas where we're not quite on the right path. How do we live wisely from there? So as we come into land, I just want to give three simple ways really quickly. The first is this. We ask for it. You know, this passage calls it wisdom from above. It's from God. And if you remember back in James chapter 1, verse 5, James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He will give it. It's a gift from above. So I just encourage you, bring it into your daily prayers as you start the day. Just, Lord, would you give me wisdom? You know, for whatever it is you've got coming in that day, bring it in. Ask for the gift. The second thing is this, learn from the wise. Now I've been dropping it in throughout this talk, but one of the best things you can do as you're trying to walk on the path of wisdom is ask trusted friends in your lead and leaders in your life to speak into you. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, spend time talking this stuff through with trusted friends who love Jesus, with your small group leaders, with your spouse. You know, take this preach as a starting point. As I said, it suggested, you know, spend some time with some friends and just talk through the decisions you've made in life and go, hey, like, does this seem wise? You know, remember that in this, you're going to need more than one person. This isn't like you know, pin your hopes onto one person's advice and only them. You know, think about it. If you've got a friend who has made some great financial decisions in their life and just manages their money really well, is super generous, embodies Jesus and all of that. Like That's the type of person you want to learn about how to live wisely with your finances from. You don't necessarily want to learn how to live wisely from in finances from your friend who's in debt. You know, Unless you want to learn what not to do, then it's maybe good to speak to them. So like, we can just use some common sense here. Seek out people who are wise in things. Pray them, ask them, like, hey, how do you do that? How do I... How do I do that? Does this seem like a good option to you? And then the third thing, and we talked about this a little bit, look at your track record. Go back to the idea I said of the different areas of your life having their own path and then ask yourself this question. What were the guiding principles and what were the values that drove that decision I made? And then ask this question. Were they in line with the truth of the gospel and scripture? So what were the guiding principles and what were the values that drove the decision I made? And then were they in line with the truth of the gospel and of scripture? And then as with all of this, I'm going to come and say it again. If you really want to know, ask someone else. Ask a trusted leader, a friend who really loves Jesus. Say, you know, I made this decision. Do you, do you agree that that lines up? I don't know. You know, the heart of it, let us remember its direction not intention that determines destination. 
No, we're trying to walk the path of wisdom, to head in the direction that God has instructed us because it leads to life, because it's what he asks of us and we want to be obedient children. Don't be like I was, remember with all those movies and Channing Tatum and watching him and being so inspired and then doing absolutely nothing. Take your intention to live a wise life and turn it into direction. And remember, you know, the journey along a path starts with a single step. So what does it look like for you today to just take a step on the journey towards wisdom? Why don't we pray? Open yourselves up to the Lord. You know, if we were at church, we'd often you know, bow our hands if we're going to receive a gift, close our eyes to not stop us being distracted. You can still do that wherever you are. And God, I pray that in this moment you would come and fill us afresh. Thank you, God, that you care about all of our lives. You know what, one thing, as we've just begun to pray, I feel like there's some people watching or listening who, you know, I've been talking about small group leaders a couple of times, and you're going, actually, I would love to be that person for someone else. I don't lead a small group currently, but I would love to lead one and, and just speak some wisdom into people's lives. But if that's you, like, I think the Lord is confirming that in this moment and would, would love for you to get in touch. If you know, chat to your, your current small group leader, email us, just email info at cardofinyard.org. We'd love to chat to you and talk about setting up a small group. Guys, God is the same God here, wherever you are, as he is when we're gathered together in buildings. So as we go to worship, would you just open your hearts before him? Would you give him the praise that he deserves? If, you, if you're living with people, uh, why don't you just have a chance to pray for each other? Do some ministry time in your own home. So thank you, Jesus. We come before you. Give you all the glory. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, you can tune into our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church. And now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website, cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at cardiffvineyard.org and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.